Hello, everyone. This is Chapter 32, Sacrifices, Narrow Escapes, and Something Like a Plan. By the time she crept into Rainy and Sticky's room half an hour later, Kate was in a better mood, which is to say she was disappointed with her mission, miserably cold, soaked to the bone, and in a good deal of physical pain. But at least she hadn't been eaten by a shark. At the sound of squishing shoes and a strange, rapid little clicking sound, the boys awoke to see Kate giving their radiator a bear hug, her teeth chattering furiously, her clothes dripping water. Kate, they cried in barely contained whispers. What happened? Are you all right? Well, she stammered, unable for the moment to continue. Rainy threw his blanket over her shoulders, and when at last she grew warmer, Kate told them everything. She omitted, however, the part about the imagined shark. No sense getting into all that. Luckily, I had my bucket secured with my belt, she said, or I'd have lost it for sure. Even so, I did lose a few things, and my pen light is waterlogged, and my fingers were too numb to grip anything, so I couldn't climb into the ceiling. I had to sneak down the corridor. Can't believe I didn't bump into Jilson or somebody. I can't believe you managed to eavesdrop through that drain pipe, Sticky said. How did you even think of it? A lucky guess, Kate said. Rainey mentioned that drain in the floor when he first told us about Mr. Curtin's office. Then last night, Milligan pointed out the culvert to us. Drains and culverts. I put two and two together and hoped for the best. Rainey had been rummaging for an extra towel. He handed it to Kate. So there's absolutely no way we can get into that computer room? Kate shook her head reluctantly. She hated to admit it. All right, he said. Nice job, Kate. Nice job, but I didn't accomplish a thing. Are you kidding? Now that we know we can't reach the computer room, we won't waste time trying. And we don't have any time to waste. By the day after tomorrow, we'll have no chance at all. We know that now, thanks to you. It's all crucial information. Kate shrugged dismissively, but secretly she was pleased. She opened and closed her hands. The feeling seemed to be returning to her fingers. Rainy was concentrating. There was no message broadcast at the moment. The storm system in his mind had moved out. And what was it he said, Kate, about his whisperer being a sensitive machine? Sensitive and delicately balanced, said Sticky. And it requires his strict mental guidance for its proper function. I think that's what he said, Kate admitted. I tried hard to remember it just as he said it, but I don't have quite the memory you do. All right, we'd better report all this to Mr. Benedict right away, Sticky said, scrambling up onto the television. Instantly, he groaned. Jackson's out on the plaza with SQ. He's yelling at SQ about something. Sticky and I will wait them out, Rainy said. Kate, you should change into dry clothes and go to bed. No point all three of us staying. Just then, another broadcast began. They all grimaced. Rainy felt the storm system move into his mind again. Good grief. I hope this one doesn't keep me awake, said Kate with a sigh. I'll go lay these clothes on my radiator and try to sleep anyway. We only have a day or so to save the world. We'll need all the rest we can get. Sleep she did, 
Kate was so tired from her night's exertions that she slept through the wake-up announcement and was late getting ready for breakfast. Constance was no help either. When Kate had returned in the middle of the night, she'd awakened Constance to fill her in, and afterward Constance was even sleepier than usual. So both girls were snoozing soundly when Jilson banged on their door. Kate dreamed she was back in the circus, being fired from a cannon. Up! Jilson shouted, rapping again, with such force that the girl's window rattled in its frame. Helpers, stop serving breakfast in 15 minutes, girls! Waking with a start, Kate leaped out of bed, threw on some clothes, and snatched her shoes from the radiator. They hadn't dried much, unfortunately. Then she shook Constance awake, or at least into a groggy stupor. Come on, Connie girl, we've got to get moving. Constance smacked her lips, blinked a few times, and said, Don't call me Con- Right, right, sorry. After a lot of hustling and cajoling, Kate got Constance moving, then quick-stepped it to the cafeteria with the smaller girl riding piggyback. She spotted the boys at their usual table and squished over to them. For some reason, Rainey's eyes widened at Kate's approach. And no sooner had she sat down beside him than he said loudly, There you are. Let me pour you some juice, Kate. With unusual awkwardness, he grabbed a juice pitcher, lost his grip, and ended up sloshing an entire quart of juice all over Kate's feet. At a nearby table, a group of messengers burst out laughing. Good grief, Rainy, Kate said. I can pour my own juice, all right? In an undertone, Rainy said quickly, Listen, Kate, rumors have been flying all morning. They know someone was in the culvert and swam away to escape. Your soggy shoes are a dead giveaway. Everybody saw me spill that juice. So now you have a reason other than harbor water. Yikes, Kate said. Thanks, buddy. And wipe that grin off your face, Constance. You don't always have to enjoy it so much, you know. As the girls wolfed down their breakfasts, Rainy and Sticky filled them in. After Kate left their room, they'd finally had the opportunity to send Mr. Benedict a report. But to their enormous disappointment, Mr. Benedict hadn't been able to reply. Jackson and Eskew had returned to the plaza, this time with Mr. Curtin who, like Jackson, was clearly furious with SQ about something and kept shaking his finger in SQ's face. We wondered why SQ was in so much trouble, Sticky said. And this morning, we found out. Everybody's heard about it. Jackson and SQ failed to catch the spy, but they did find footprints in the sand at the culvert entrance, footprints leading down to the water. What? said Kate freezing with a forkful of scrambled eggs halfway to her mouth. Oh, no. I meant to wipe away the prince, but then I didn't have time. She reddened, ashamed, and set down her fork. I'm sorry, everybody. They'll match my shoes to the prince. You know they will. And then it's... Why are you both shaking your heads? Because you have nothing to worry about, said Rainy. Sticky broke into a grin. SQ took care of the problem for us. Those big feet of his came in very handy for once. He found the footprints all right and followed them down to the shore. But in the process, his own footprints destroyed yours, destroyed them completely. That's why Mr. Curtin is furious. Huh, Kate said, profoundly relieved. Here's to good old SQ. We're still in a tight spot, Rainy said. Mr. Curtin will be watching everybody very, and oh, 
Don't you find these Danishes splendid, Sticky? They go down wonderfully well with cold milk, especially the raspberry ones. Sticky wasn't puzzled by the change of subject. He, too, had seen Jackson and Martina approaching the table. He was responding earnestly that he preferred the cinnamon rolls when Jackson drew up and said with a sneer, George, forgive me for interrupting your very interesting conversation about breakfast foods, but Martina and I are making an inspection. No doubt you've all heard about the spy. We have, Rainey said, and we can hardly believe it. Why on earth would a spy be at the Institute? Jackson knuckled Rainey painfully on the head. If you would use your brain, Muldoon, you might figure a few things out. The spy obviously hopes to steal some of Mr. Curtin's secret technology, then sell it to someone who might use it for wicked purposes. That would be terrible, Kate said. Rainey was rubbing his head. Anyway, yes, we've heard about the spy. And yet, one thing you probably have not heard about is this. Jackson reached into his pocket and drew out a marble. Kate's marble. The spy is a marble? Rainey asked. Ha ha, young man, ha ha. No, this marble happens to have been found somewhere last night. Somewhere, let me put it this way. Somewhere it should not have been. That seems a reasonable way to put it, Rainey said. Martina leaned forward, peering into Kate's bucket. So Jackson and I are looking for the marble's owner. I don't want to point any fingers, she said sulkily, but it seemed to me Kate's bucket might be a good place to look. She has so many odds and ends in there, you know. Rainy and Sticky tried to appear unconcerned, but their minds were in turmoil. Kate had mentioned losing a few things in the water last night, but she'd said nothing about the marbles and the slingshot. Mind if we have a look? Martina asked, already reaching. Not at all, replied Kate. Before Martina could actually touch anything, she dumped the bucket's contents onto the table. A magnet, a Swiss army knife, a spool of twine, a kaleidoscope, and a rope, which was damp, but you couldn't tell without touching it. No marbles, no slingshot. Oh, said Martina, with a look of bitter disappointment. Okay then, said Jackson, just checking. We have other people to ask, so we'll leave you to continue your fascinating conversation. Come on, Martina. With some effort, he drew the reluctant Martina away. Kate winked. I may not know when the Cenozoic era was. Sticky was aghast. Kate, we live in the Cenozoic era. Sure, it began 65 million years ago, but what I was going to say, Kate continued stubbornly, is that I may not know when the Cenozoic era was, but I wasn't born yesterday. What in the world are you people talking about? asked Constance. She just means to say she's not stupid, said Rainey. So you got rid of the marbles and the slingshot on purpose? Of course. I figured he'd find that marble, so I had to dump the others. I sure hated to, though. I won most of them in a game with a lion tamer. Poor Kate, said Constance. She's lost her marbles. Everyone but Kate was chuckling about this one when Martina and Jackson, halfway across the cafeteria, suddenly seemed to change their minds and returned to their table. An intimidating look of cruel pleasure on Martina's face dried up all their laughter and made them wait in silence for the explanation. Jackson forgot to mention something else, Martina said. 
He just so happened to spit out a piece of licorice last night in the same place he found that marble. But when he looked for it later, it was gone. Rainy felt Kate stiffen next to him. They were in trouble. Funny thing about licorice, said Jackson. It's just the sort of thing to get stuck in the bottom of your shoe without your realizing it. I get it, I get it, said Kate, squirming in her seat. So now you want to see the bottoms of my shoes. If you'd be so kind, Martina said with a wicked grin. She'd noticed Kate squirming and was delighted to think she'd frightened her. Well, sorry about the dripping, but Rainy just spilled juice all over them, Kate said. Oh, yeah, we saw that, Jackson said. He let out an amused rattle of laughter that sounded like a sheep in pain. While Jackson was bleeding at her expense, Kate pressed something sticky, gritty, and cold into Rainy's hand beneath the table. She hadn't been squirming from nervousness. She'd been twisting her legs up to get at the licorice. As she lifted her sodden shoes now for the executives to inspect, Rainy reached across under the table and pressed the hunk of licorice into Sticky's hand. The further away from Kate, the better, he thought. Sticky had the same idea, immediately passing the licorice to Constance. Constance, unfortunately, did not understand what it was. In horror, the boys watched her raise the slimy, dirty, half-chewed glob of candy above the tabletop to examine it. Rainy's eyes swiveled to the executives, who, having been disappointed in Kate's shoes, were now asking her to show her empty hands, then checking for stickiness under the edge of the table. He looked back to Constance and saw the realization hit her, her eyes widening with alarm. And then, an instant before Martina glanced up to see it, Constance popped the licorice into her mouth, chewed it up, and swallowed it. Ew, that was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, Sticky said later, when the crisis had passed and the executives were off harassing other children. Constance's cheeks, normally a rosy red, had turned a faint shade of green. Disgusting, yes, but heroic. Rainy said. We all have to make sacrifices, Constance muttered miserably. What we need to make is a decision, said Kate. We need a plan and quick. Does anyone have any ideas? I'm fresh out. Constance only groaned and put her head in her hands. I do have one thing to say, said Rainy, then hesitated. He had intended to say that he couldn't face the whisperer again, that the mere thought of it turned his mind to jelly. So how much worse would it be if he actually experienced the whisperer again? Wouldn't he be certain to give up? This was what Rainey had meant to say, but now he found he could not. He was too ashamed. Constance groaned again without looking up. Ugh, Rainey, you're the king of saying you have something to say than not actually saying anything. Do you realize that? Sorry, Rainey said. I, I forgot. He was not the only one at the table with troubled thoughts. Sticky felt the same way Rainy did, and Kate was still wishing she'd been able to sabotage those computers, to have solved the dilemma all on her own. And having failed to do that, she was trying to pretend to herself that she hadn't. Constance, meanwhile, was trying not to contemplate what might happen to her when Mr. Curtin boosted the messages to full power. Thus, all the children were trying not to think of things instead of trying to think of things, and trying not 
being generally less productive than trying, they weren't coming up with ready answers. In the midst of going round and round in his mind about not facing the whisperer, however, Rainey did stumble against something which, if seen from a distance and not stared at directly, might resemble a plan. A hundred times he'd thought to himself, I can't face the whisperer again. But this time, for some reason, he had tacked on the word alone. And this was how he stumbled against the plan-like thing. Okay, everyone, I think I do have a plan now. Didn't Mr. Benedict tell us that we must rely upon one another in all things, that every single one of us is essential to the success of the team? We have to take into account that we need each other. That's the plan, Constance said, to give each other big hugs. Rainey ignored her. I was thinking maybe if we faced Mr. Curtin and his whisperer together, we could figure out what to do. You mean all of us in the whispering gallery at the same time, said Constance doubtfully. With Mr. Curtin there, what could we possibly do? I don't know yet, Rainey admitted. But there's Milligan too, remember? If we contact him, we'll have him to help us. I say it's worth a try, said Kate. We're running out of time. How do we manage it? Should Constance and I sneak in while you two are having your sessions? Rainey considered. The door is controlled by a button on Mr. Curtin's chair, so you cannot sneak in. But Sticky and I could press the button to let you in. There's at least one problem with all this, said Sticky. We weren't to have another turn in the whisperer for at least a few days, remember? By then it will be too late, Kate tried to think. What would be good, what would be good, would be if Mr. Curtin won the Nobel Peace Prize. Sticky spewed a mist of chocolate milk. Have you gone off your, oh, hi there, SQ. What brings you to our table? S.Q. Pedalion looked down upon them dejectedly. Hello, kids. I suppose you heard how I bungled that spy business, wiping out the footprints and all that. You shouldn't feel bad, Rainey said. I doubt anybody could have done a better job. It's nice of you to say, S.Q. said with a sigh. Then he took a deep breath, just so he could sigh again. <sighs> but enough about pitiful me. I came over to ask about you, Constance. Are you feeling all right? You seem rather, well, green-colored. I'm afraid we gave her a stomach virus, Rainey interjected. Sticky and I just got over it. SQ looked sympathetic. Oh, yes, the other messengers told me about that stomach bug. It's a nasty one, eh? How do you feel, Constance? Like I ate something revolting, said Constance. I guess that's what I get for hanging around with Rainy and Sticky. Now, now, SQ observed, nothing better for you than spending time with messengers. Good influence and all that. I mean, stomach bug aside. Let's just hope not too many other people get sick. It would be a shame if classes had to be canceled. There's too much good stuff to review. They all heartily agreed with SQ, thanked him for stopping by, and nodded as he droned endlessly on about the escaped spy and a good many other things, until finally his jaw was worn out, his mind was empty, and he went away. What we need, said Kate, as if they'd never been interrupted, 
is for you boys to get your turn sooner. Isn't there any chance you could be called on tomorrow? I'm afraid not, Rainy said. Not unless every other messenger suddenly fell ill. Too bad we can't actually give them belly aches, said Constance. Sticky's ears perked up. Who says we can't, he said.